Hi, this is Pastor Matt, and I want to welcome you to our Blue Oaks Church podcast. At the end of this episode, feel free to download our Blue Oaks Church app, where you'll be able to access resources, events, and ways to get connected at Blue Oaks and in the community. The app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend, and it's the easiest way to keep up with everything going on around Blue Oaks. Most importantly, though, I just hope that you enjoy this episode and it inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. What we're going to talk about today and next week is maybe one of the most powerful aspects of learning to live a Christ-centered life. And we're going to look at the spiritual gifts that God gives to us by the Holy Spirit that enable us to do remarkable things for God in the church. In Ephesians, Paul writes that the reason God has given spiritual gifts is to uh, build up the body or the church so that we may be strong. Uh, That's a significant purpose for spiritual gifts. But let me tell you a second one that in my life has been just as significant. Using my spiritual gifts have allowed me to experience and come to know God in ways that few other things have. Uh, And I believe that God wants the same experience for you as well. When you begin to identify your spiritual gift and put it to use, you will sometimes find remarkable things happening. Depending on your spiritual gift, you may find yourself speaking words of care to a person. And when you finish that conversation, you walk away in amazement knowing that you said things to that person and you have no idea where they came from. Depending on your spiritual gift, you may be sitting in a meeting with people and bring insight and clarity And you know that it's God working through you. And those will be some of the most holy moments of your life that not only does the Spirit of God lead and direct you and live inside of you, but by some miracle, the Spirit of God interacts with you and with your spiritual gift that he's given you to actually do the work of God in the church. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to teach through eight of the spiritual gifts today, and then we'll get to eight more next week. My goal is that by the end of these two weeks, you'll have a good idea of what your spiritual gifts are. Here's what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 12. A spiritual gift is given to each one of us. That means you can't say, this is not for me. Now, I may not get to your gift today, but we'll get to your gift uh, next week. And the second thing Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12 is basically that no one has all of the spiritual gifts. And using this analogy of the body, Paul says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. This analogy that a community or a group of people is like a body was actually often used in the ancient world. But in the ancient world, in ancient Rome, it was used to make sure that the lower classes would remain subordinate to Caesar or the the aristocracy, which was the head. Now Paul kind of flips that to say every single part of the body is equally valued. There is no hierarchy of gifts in the body of Christ. Imagine if the kidney was to say, I'm done. I mean, the eyes and the mouth and even the hair get all of the attention. No one ever notices me. No one ever compliments me. I'm through serving the body. I mean, the body would say, no, 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 no. We need you. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. So today and next week, I want to teach through 
the spiritual gifts. And by the way, there is no one exhaustive list of spiritual gifts. Uh, they're talked about in at least four places in the New Testament, uh, but I'm gonna list some of the primary ones that are needed for the church, for the body of Christ to function. One thing I'd like you to do as we uh, go through each of these gifts is to ask yourself, do I think I might have this gift? And if so, God, how would you want me to use this gift? Uh, one more thing before we get to the gifts. Ephesians 4 says that spiritual gifts aren't just to build up the body of Christ. Uh, they have one more purpose. Uh, listen to the end of the verse. Why does God give spiritual gifts? To equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. In the use of our spiritual gifts, we grow the church. And in the process, if we do it right, if we do it well, we'll live a more Christ-centered life as a result of using our gifts. This is really important for your spiritual life. When you practice your spiritual gift, I promise you, and I've experienced this, when you discover and use your spiritual gift, there will be times when God is at work in you and you will feel his power in you and there will be words or actions coming out of you that you know is God. I mean, you're not smart enough. Uh, you couldn't have done it on your own and it will build up your faith and it'll bless other people in the church. All right, so let's get to it. We'll look at eight spiritual gifts today and eight next week. The first gift I wanna look at is the gift of helps. The ability to invest time and energy into accomplishing practical and necessary tasks, furthering the work of other people in the church. If you have this gift, you love to help. I mean, you love to serve behind the scenes, doing whatever is needed. Uh, your most consistent question is, how can I help? Because helping energizes you. You're always involved and you're vital to keeping the church functioning at its fullest potential. When I think about the people who have the gift of helps, I think of them as kind of the WD-40 that kind of frees up the whole force of other gifts to be expressed within the church. If you have this gift, you have a very strong awareness of the presence of God in whatever you're doing as you're serving and freeing up other people to express their spiritual gifts. One thing I've always appreciated about people who have the, the gift of helps is they always serve with this sense of deep joy and deep peace and uh, deep contentment. Very rarely is someone with the gift of helps found serving grudgingly or with a bad attitude. The character Joshua played this role in Moses' life in the book of Exodus. How can I help? I would say one of the challenges for you if you have the gift of helps is you may think, you know, I really don't have very much to offer to the church. I don't have the gift of leadership. I don't have the gift of teaching. I don't have the gift of administration or shepherding. All I can do is help. I want you to know that you were given that spiritual gift by the Holy Spirit the moment you accepted Jesus Christ into your life. It's a spiritual gift that has been given to you in order to bring honor and glory to Jesus Christ. And your spiritual gift, it matters. And I think one of the tactics of the enemy is to try to rob you of the joy of serving by thinking all you can do is help. Because the reality is, all you can do is help. Because God gave you that gift. And it's a good thing that he gave that to you. 
the church needs you to use it and you need you to use it. All right, the next spiritual gift that I wanna talk about is shepherding. The ability to care for the spiritual needs of a small group of people in the church, guiding them toward maturity. If you have this gift, you love to shepherd a little flock of people. Uh, You're committed to them and you give your life to help them develop spiritually. You're able to give loving guidance and oversight and you model with your life what they should be doing with their lives. As you shepherd people, it's very important you establish an environment of trust and confidence so that they can trust you and you can lead and protect them. If you have the gift of shepherding, you're a wonderful small group leader. And if you're not a small group leader, this ought to be one of the things that you consider. Uh, Take a group of people and say, for however long we're together, I'm committed to you. I will be your shepherd. I will take care of you and help you grow. Timothy, in, in scripture, had this spiritual gift of shepherding in the early church. This is sometimes translated pastor. Uh, to shepherd is to pastor. Uh, but there's an important difference between the job title of pastor and the spiritual gift of pastor. Uh, this is very important uh, to think about in the church. We have way too many people who are part of our church for the pastors to pastor all the people. Uh, so the people have to be pastored by other people in the church. And the main place where people will get shepherded and pastored is in small groups. And to have people who will shepherd people in a little flock like that, it is just critical to our health and well-being as a church. You might be similar to me and at times hear something and think, that's not me, or I'll let someone else take that on or fill that role. Maybe that was precisely your thought as Matt was talking about shepherding and leading a small group. And yet, if you were to stop and think about it, you might discover you're already doing this naturally. You're the one who plans the family dinners or the neighborhood get-togethers everyone is invited to, or you're always encouraging great conversations at work to get input from all those around the table. Leading a small group is simply about facilitating great conversations that allow people to connect relationally so they can grow spiritually. We believe spiritual friendships and spiritual growth are linked, which is why we'd love to see everyone participate in a small group. And that creates opportunities for group leadership, both in person and online. Group leaders are ordinary, everyday people God uses for extraordinary purposes, creating a place where people can be real and grow. If you've never led a small group before, maybe the best next step in your spiritual growth is leading one. Or if you've led one in the past, now is a great time to lead again. And don't worry, we'll provide you with the training, resources, even a plan to make your experience leading a great one. If you're curious about leadership, head to blueoakschurch.org and click the latest news, then scroll down to small groups, or simply text GROUPS to 925-275-5520, and I'd love to connect with you. And if you're interested in joining a group, we'll announce when registration opens for the fall, and I encourage you to connect into one. Well, let's rejoin Matt as we continue looking at the spiritual gifts. 
All right, so the next gift I want to look at is the spiritual gift of administration. The ability to organize and manage people, programs, resources, or time to keep the church functioning at its best. If you have this gift, you love to develop strategies and plans and reach identifiable goals. Uh, when the leader is casting vision for the church, you're the person who's sitting in the meeting and you're saying, yes, but we need to divide it down into these three areas and we're going to assign these tasks if this is going to happen. I mean, you're planning, you're organizing, you're developing strategy to make sure it happens. A leader without an administrator or an administrator without a leader doesn't work. Here's the sentence that I like to think that describes this gift well. You love to create order out of chaos. You love to manage and coordinate a variety of different responsibilities. Uh, you like to organize people. Uh, you may like to organize tasks or events. You may like to organize things. When you go home, you're the person who puts the dirty socks in the laundry basket where they belong. If this is you, you love to plan. I mean, you plan recreationally. Uh, creating schedules and systems and routines is actually energizing for you. I mean, your idea of a vacation is planning other people's vacations. Uh, the Greek word for this in the New Testament was the word for the, the helmsman who would make sure that the ship remained on course throughout the voyage. There's a character named Jethro in the Old Testament. Uh, he told his son-in-law, Moses, you're going to burn yourself out. And he gave him a system to reorganize all the people of Israel so there could be an appropriate span of care so that Moses wouldn't get exhausted and so that the people could all receive care. That's the spiritual gift of administration at work. And maybe you have this gift. Maybe you're able to do this. All right, the next gift is, is the spiritual gift of leadership. The ability to clarify and communicate the purpose and direction of the church in a way that attracts and motivates others to get involved in achieving the mission. Uh, here's a sign that you're a leader. I mean, you look over your shoulder and there are people following you. If there aren't, I would consider another gift. If you have the gift of leadership, you often sense where a group of people needs to go and you can motivate them to get there. I mean, your greatest joy isn't even getting there, but it's how many people you can bring along with you and help develop their gifts as you go. A leader, a leader doesn't know all the answers, but the leader knows how to get all the right questions asked and get all the right people in the room uh, to answer those questions. One of the abilities you have is motivating other people to perform to their best of their ability. I mean, one of the things that you love is bringing out the very best in people and then saying to them, see, I knew that was in you all along. There's a book in the Old Testament called uh, Nehemiah. It's kind of the poster book for this. Uh, Nehemiah is kind of the poster child of leadership. He hears that Jerusalem, the city of God, has fallen apart. Uh, the walls have fallen down. And so he finds a way to get there and he finds a way to get the resources for it and he rallies everyone together and he makes sure that everyone has a task to do and they actually rebuild the walls in record time. I mean, that's the spiritual gift of leadership. One of the ways you'll recognize this gift is there will be people 
joyfully following you and loving to do what it is that you're calling them to do and feeling like they're growing in the process, feeling like uh, they're not being coerced or intimidated, but they're doing what they love to do. That's the spiritual gift of leadership. And maybe you have this gift. Maybe you have the gift of leadership and you should be using it. You know, it shouldn't just be a small group of people using their gift of leadership in the church. All right, the next gift I want to look at is intercession. The the ability to pray for the needs of others over extended periods of time on a regular basis, trusting that God will change things through prayer. Uh, When I think about the fuel of the church, this is it. Uh, But let me make a quick point here about gifts and about what we're called to do. Uh, There are many things that God has called us to do. You and I are called to evangelize or to have faith or to give generously. I mean, we're all called to that. We're all called to pray. Uh, Whether we have that gift or not, we still have a responsibility that God has called us to. Uh, So we're called to pray, but with the gift of intercession, it's almost like you have to pray or it's a heavy weight, it's a heavy burden that just weighs on you. And you're not released from that until you have the opportunity to go to God in prayer. Later, you may find out that that prayer was answered, um, that you've been praying for, that you felt that burden for, and that's an affirmation of your gifting. If you have the gift of intercession, when you say you're going to pray for someone, you do. I mean, there are those who say, oh, I'll pray for you to make the other person feel good. But then you walk away immediately forgetting what that request was. But the people who have the gift of prayer, I mean, when they say they're going to pray for you, you know they're going to be praying for you. When you hear just about anything, your first response is, let's pray about that. You know, instead of prayer as the last resort, the intercessor always sees prayer as the first thing that we should be resorting to. You have an awareness that there are many spiritual battles going on and you're in the midst of them. And you are convinced that God moves in direct response to to prayer. One of my hopes and dreams for our church is that we would increasingly see intercessors raised up praying for individuals and praying for small groups and praying for the ministry and compassion efforts of our church. A biblical, a great biblical example of the gift of intercession is a guy named Epaphras. Uh, We read about him in Colossians 4. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. He's someone who has a burden for prayer. His passion for prayer was for the church in Colossae and his focus on prayer was their maturity. I asked Tina if she would share with you about her journey to discovering her place of ministry at Blue Oaks. Hi, my name is Tina. I came to Blue Oaks seven years ago. My son was one year old and he would just cling to me. I was happy that there was childcare at Blue Oaks, one hour without any distractions. I know some of you parents know what that feels like. I was so grateful to all the volunteers who took care of my kids and taught them Bible stories. They inspired me to serve. I didn't know what would be the right place to serve. 
I wish I could hear an audible voice from the burning bush where exactly God was calling me. Well, probably not, not burning bush in California. I took any opportunity that was available, believing and praying that God will lead me exactly where it is a blessing. I volunteered at Sunday school and enjoyed teaching the kids and doing activities. It was fun watching the kids enjoying and learning the Bible. I was amazed at how the setup team made Foothill High School classrooms into a fun and safe Sunday school class for kids. Setup and teardown team do a great job every Sunday. I joined the teardown team to help them change the church back into a school. I had the burden to pray for people and loved praying with others, so I joined the prayer team. Over the years, this group is close to my heart, and I've so enjoyed being part of the prayer team. I also started leading small groups and instantly found my passion to teach the Bible. It was good to get my hands dirty and serve in different roles and find out what I loved the most. Last year, I decided to put my energy and focus on what I enjoyed doing the most, and that is being part of the prayer team and leading small groups. I'd like to encourage those who are planning and praying where to serve. Take a step of faith and start. I'm so grateful that Tina uses her gift of intercession on behalf of our church. Uh, she, she is part of a, a team that meets every day to pray for the health and growth of our church, of you and me. It's invaluable to have people with the gift of intercession serving according to their spiritual gift in the church. All right, the next spiritual gift is evangelism. The ability to connect with people who don't know God and effectively communicate the gospel so that they respond. Maybe you have the gift of evangelism. And sometimes the gift of evangelism will look like Billy Graham, where it's an upfront gift. Uh, more often than not, though, the gift of evangelism is a gift that requires you to develop relationships with people in order to use that gift. Uh, but if you have this gift, you love to see uh, opportunities to talk to unbelievers. Uh, often you would rather be with uh, non-Christians than with Christians. You know, hanging out with Christians too long just kind of drives you crazy. Uh, you look for a way to develop relationships with people outside the faith. And while you do that, uh, you love nothing more than to challenge them to think about the claims of Christ. Uh, you're not satisfied with just building a relationship. You want to challenge them. You, uh, it's, it's just a part of you, the way that God designed you, uh, that you're able to uh, adapt your presentation of the gospel to connect with uh, people from all walks of life. Uh, you, if you have this gift, you're always thinking of ways to steer that conversation to uh, spiritual things. Uh, and you're thinking of ways to invite people to church. Now, all of us who follow Jesus are called to help other people take their next step spiritually. I mean, our whole reason for existing as a church is we want to help people take their next step spiritually. But some people have this unique spiritual gifting in this. In the New Testament, there's a disciple named Andrew. Uh, pretty much every time you see Andrew, he's finding someone who doesn't know Jesus and saying, come and see. I mean, that was one of our whole teaching series, you know, come and see. You just got to come meet him. People who have this spiritual gift of evangelism 
find themselves with this kind of motivation. I have a friend with this gift and it just flows out of him. I mean, we'll be at a restaurant and if there's enough time, he'll be talking to the food server and eventually that conversation turns to spiritual things in a way that's really natural. I mean, it, it doesn't feel forced at all. That's the spiritual gift of evangelism. All right, the next gift is prophecy. Uh, the ability to courageously proclaim God's truth in a timely and relevant manner, especially in times of confusion or resistance to equip and edify the church. Maybe you have the spiritual gift of prophecy. And here's what the spiritual gift of prophecy is not. It's not the ability to see into the future. Uh, if you have the gift of prophecy, you are what I would call a lover of the truth. The prophets would say, you know, this is what is going on in our culture today. If you don't do what God says and follow his truth, here's what's going to happen. You might think about Isaiah calling for justice in the Old Testament or John the Baptist calling for people to repent or Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. in our day. If this is you, you find yourself gripped and sometimes burdened by a very keen sense of right or wrong. You know, injustice puts you on tilt. It's like you can't stand it. Uh, you're not a, a warm and fuzzy kind of person. People don't describe you that way. Uh, your favorite Sesame character was Oscar the Grouch. <laughs> uh, declaring the truth matters more to you than being liked. Uh, now, here's how prophets talk. This is, a pro this is from the prophet Jeremiah. Among my people are the wicked who lie in wait like men who snare birds and like those who set traps to catch people. Like cages full of birds, their houses are full of deceit. They have become rich and powerful and have grown fat and sleek. Their evil deeds has, have no limit. I mean, that's why we don't like listening to people with the gift of prophecy very much. And if that's you, I mean, we owe you an apology. Here's the truth about me. When someone comes to me to speak truth that I don't want to hear, I mean, I just kind of graciously listen and accept it. But mostly I rationalize and defend or blame them so that I don't have to listen to the truth. And that's exactly what people did in the Old Testament to the prophets. So if you have this spiritual gift, you're going to have to learn to build relationships and speak the truth in love. But you have to use your gift. And the rest of us in the church need to learn to respond appropriately to these gifts and to be open to the possibility that there might be some truth in it, which is very difficult. All right, the next gift is mercy. The ability to detect hurt and empathize with the pain of others in order to provide compassionate support. If you have the gift of mercy, you clean up all the pain and the mess the people with the gift of prophecy cause. In fact, when a person with the gift of mercy meets a person with the gift of prophecy, they often get married. And then it's a really interesting relationship. If you have this gift, you know when someone is not doing well. And you can come alongside to focus on ways that you can alleviate their pain and suffering. You look for lonely and forgotten people and you're moved by them. I mean, social issues concern you deeply. A lot of us, if we uh, see a commercial on television about uh, children in poverty or in hunger, might feel moved for a moment, but those with the gift of mercy take the next step and say, I have to do something. 
In Jesus' story about the Good Samaritan, there's a guy beaten up on the side of the road. Other religious leaders just walk past him. But the Good Samaritan can't. I mean, he feels compassion and he stops and he gives and he heals and he binds up and he takes care. If you have this gift, when you sit next to someone in the hospital or when you're uh, you know, present with a grieving family member, when you're talking to someone who's gone through a really bad loss, you'll find God at work in you to say words or uh, you'll know when to be silent or when to give a touch or a hug or when to refrain from that in a way that something supernatural just gets poured out of you. Uh, I mean, you, you don't even fully understand it. Like I might feel really awkward in that situation, but for you, this gift is where God just kind of lets you pour out comfort and care in a supernatural way. I mean, that's the gift of mercy. All right. Now, again, part of why you have to find and use your spiritual gift is because when you do, God is at work in you in ways you couldn't otherwise understand. And your own faith gets built up as you use your spiritual gifts in ways uh, that it otherwise never would. All right. So those are eight of the 16 spiritual gifts that we're going to look at this in this series. Uh, if you listen to that and you find yourself thinking, you know, I don't have any of these gifts, uh, that's not true. Okay, so maybe we'll get to your spiritual gift next week. Uh, but maybe what you need to do is meet with someone with the gift of encouragement because they'll tell you you have gifts. Uh, if you find yourself thinking, hey, I think I have all of these gifts. Well, maybe you need to meet with someone with the gift of wisdom and let them deflate you a little bit because you don't. Uh, you have a couple gifts. Maybe three. I would say three at most. No one has more than three except Jesus. All right, so who is called to serve in the church? Everyone. This is why this message is so foundational for us as a church. You know, I mentioned last week in biology, what do you call something that is living off of the body but not contributing to the body? Parasite is the word. And no one is called to that. No one's called to be a parasite. That word's not in the New Testament. Now, I want to say this as lovingly and as I, as, with as much care as I know how to. Uh, you might be uh, checking out Blue Oaks, and that's great. You might be exploring Christianity, and that's great. You might be wounded or grieving, and you need just some time to heal up, although serving often is a part of that healing process, but I get it. If you need space or you're just kind of exploring, I get that. But if that's not you and you're not finding a way to serve in the body of Christ, but you're a follower of Jesus, you are missing it. You're missing a deep part of God's calling on your life. And the body is missing out on one of its members. You're not obeying Jesus in his call to serve. And it's time to get your hands dirty. We need you to get your hands dirty. And you need you to get your hands dirty. All right, now I'm going to pray for you and then Michaela and the team will lead us in a closing song. God, I just pray that as we go through these spiritual gifts, that you would, by your Holy Spirit, point out to us what gift we have as individuals. What gift do I have? And how can I contribute that, contribute that to the work of your spirit in and through this church? God, would you uh, bring clarity to this area of gifts for each individual listening. 
And, and God, I just pray that you would move in powerful ways and that we would start serving. And maybe we would discover it as we begin serving, but that we would get to that place where we're doing what you created us to do, serving according to our giftedness, and we're finding so much joy out of it. Uh, we get joy because we do what you created us to do, and we find meaning and purpose, and we see uh, your spirit move through us to help other people because that's the way you built your church to function. We're all a part of the body. So help us to contribute to that. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. We hope you found something in this week's message to take away and apply to your life this week. Uh, if you live in the Bay Area, we would love to have you join us for one of our weekend services. Uh, for directions or information about what we have for you or your family, your students, you can go to blueoaks.church or download the app today. Uh, and we hope to see you on Sunday soon.